Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Today is a new day. To some, it looks and feels just like the day before. And on a personal note, maybe you had an exciting outing to the local grocery store, maybe even the pharmacy. On the business front, maybe you've just had your fifth Zoom meeting of the day. Maybe it's number 15 so far this week, and it's only Tuesday. You're in the kitchen, the living room, or your home office, which might also be your kitchen. Talking with your employees, reaching out to prospects, making sure your customers are healthy and surviving. The only thing that's really missing these days is the zombie apocalypse. World War Z is actually a really good movie if you've not seen it. So today at the cafe, I've invited Rich Cacuzzo, the founder and president of Sales Velocity Advisors, to talk war stories, the good, the bad, the ugly of today's business environment, and to provide some insights on what to do and what not to do when it comes to planning your sales strategies and tactics, especially during this current COVID business environment. Before we begin, I'm going to take a quick break. My company, the Ponzi Group, provides consulting, interim, and fractional marketing and leadership services with a focus on the strategic and analytical side of marketing. We take a holistic approach to driving business growth. Consider us your marketing architects. We use research to gather the necessary insights from your customers, prospects, the competition, and the marketplace to develop fact-based approaches to building effective and efficient growth plans. And, much like a general contractor, we partner with internal teams or carefully selected vetted individuals and organizations to execute the strategies and plans, as well as provide oversight and management to ensure we stay on brand and plan. To learn more about our services, visit theponzagroup.com. As I mentioned, I have Rich Gacuzzo in the studio today, the founder and president of Sales Velocity Advisors, to talk about war stories, the good, the bad, and the ugly about the current business environment. Rich, welcome. Thank you, Angelo. Great to be back. Appreciate you having me on your show. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is uh, our third time together. And uh, certainly a lot of things have changed since the the last time, which was only a couple months ago and then about a year earlier than that. So things have certainly changed in the way we are conducting our businesses. 100%. Yeah. But before we get started, I want you just to give the audience a little context of who you are and, and about your business. Sure. Okay. So Sales Velocity Advisors, what we do is we help build and lead high performance teams for companies. Uh, offering consulting and fractional services. You know, we're targeting businesses that typically range from five to $50 million in annual revenues. One of the questions I always ask my guests is, you know, what keeps you up at night when you think about growing your business? And I believe your answer was pipeline. So here we are a year later, same question. What keeps you up at night? Same answer. <laughs> Well, you know, it's interesting because um, for me, with my company going into COVID, pipeline was robust. And then you lose a client or two, right? Because everyone's um, very concerned about cost containment. And if you weren't uh, an essential business and or selling to essential 
uh, industries, then you were in lockdown mode. So, um, so you had that, and then you had business development for everyone. You know, just went dark for a good six weeks, and and then finally, at least here in Southern California, as the economy started to reopen in mid-May, uh, things picked back up. But yeah, no, it's pipeline. I don't care what size business you are. Um, having a healthy, robust pipeline at all times is really mission critical if you want to uh, uh, sustain uh, and grow a business, mm-hmm. no doubt. Well, you know, it, it's so your fact, fractional sales, putting it simply on fractional marketing. And, and I think one of the things, and we talk about pipeline, because we can get busy very quickly, three, four clients, maybe five pushing it, we have no more bandwidth. And so what happens, at least in some of my experiences, you stop chasing new business. And then of course, when clients turn, all of a sudden your, your pipeline is empty and now you're scrambling again. So there's a, a, a really a balance in how do you really work the business yet still network and continue to build that pipeline. It's easier to say, no, thank you. I'm too busy. Then, Hey, I knock on wood. I need somebody. So how are you balancing kind of being busy and, and working with your clients, but still, you know, prime in the pump. Right. You know, you know, whether you're in the consulting space or whether you own your, you know, um, a, you know, small business that's focused on manufacturing or SaaS or, or B2C, you know, you, you want to be able to regulate the pipeline in such a way that you've got a steady flow of business, but you can still deliver on your value proposition in an exemplary manner, right? I mean, this is something that I really uh, spend a lot of time talking about with business owners and CEOs that I work with. For many of them, they want to accelerate revenue growth. They want to generate more sales, which is fabulous. But you also have to be able to deliver on your value proposition. If you let that slip, and then it can be a domino effect, right? So in the consulting space, it, it really comes down to not taking on more than you can handle. Uh, it's also having the right mix of business, right? Because, you know, some of the, you know, consulting straightforward, you're assessing and you're recommending uh, changes that need to get made. Uh, in many cases, the client will just DIY it, utilizing your recommendation. In other cases, they want you to come in and help with the implementation, right? And that's when you're pivoting from consulting to fractional. So having a blend where you're not 100% fractional engagements nor 100% consulting engagements in our world is probably the best way to do it. And and I think analogous to to non-consulting companies, again, to you know manufacturing or tech companies or what have you, it's you know having that steady flow of opportunities in the pipeline. Uh, and then, you know, as the business owner, making sure you can deliver on the value proposition. Do you find that the kind of the, when the phone rings, the person on the other end is asking a very different question or with a very different problem today in this COVID environment than it was six or seven months or a year ago? Or, or are they still after the same thing? I, I think in many cases they're after the same thing, Angelo. You know, there's a couple of different scenarios here. You know, let's take a step back. If you, you know, rewind the clock to February or even early March of this year, we, the economy, the U.S. economy was at a record 
expansion, 10 plus years of economic growth, right? You had, um, you had unemployment rates at a 50 year low. And so that, that scenario or that backdrop for many businesses, they were growing organically and, um, there was issues that were underneath the surface that they just were complacent. They didn't want to deal with it. And they're like, yeah, we're growing. Things are okay. You know, economy strong. I'm good. Uh, and then all of a sudden the pandemic strikes and it's kind of like when the tide goes out, tide goes out and you see a lot of stuff at the bottom of the ocean, right? That was covered by the water and now it's gone out. And so you see all the crud. And that's what's happening with a lot of business owners. It's forced them to deal with underlining issues that uh, they just neglected. You know, no different than that homeowner, right? You know, well, yeah, my roof's a little leaky, but, uh, you know, rain doesn't come to California until, until the fall, so I don't have to worry about it right now. And all of a sudden, the storm hits, and uh, you, got, you got a leak. A big leak. You got to deal with it. So that's what I think you're seeing. So I would say the conversations are more, they're more transparent. You know, the, the, uh, what's gone is the bravado of, oh, we're doing okay. And business owners are very uh, matter of fact in assessing the current state. You know, in some situations, you know, they had no next to no revenue for several months. Uh, in other situations, you know, they've had to, uh, tweak their strategy, evolve their value proposition, perhaps expand their product portfolio, product or service portfolio in light of the current dynamics and, and uh, you know, what, what buyers are buying out in the marketplace. Mm -hmm. Do you find that when, from your standpoint, it's, it's about sales management and, and really structuring the leadership within the organization, or are you getting calls that I need sales today? Help me out. It, it's a mix. You know, the, the leadership question is an interesting one, right? Especially for folks like us that typically play in the five to $50 million size companies. In, in many cases, the what I see, the owner or the CEO is also the sales leader. Uh, in other cases, they have one sales leader. Um, sometimes that person got promoted because they were the top sales rep. They're not prepared to lead a sales team. They're lacking the basics on how to do that, right? They know how to sell. They don't know how to coach and lead. So you've got that part of it. Um, you know, so I think for the business owner or CEO, the question becomes, at what point do you hire a full-time sales leader if you don't have one? And then if you have an existing sales leader, it comes down to effectiveness, right? Uh, are they able to lead the team effectively? Is everybody on the sales team contributing? Are they making their revenue numbers? Is your business growing? You know, that's really how you're evaluating that, that sales leader. So, you know, those are the two things that I see. I think what sales leaders, be it a full-time sales leader or an, or an owner or CEO that, that's leading the sales effort, what they're struggling with right now is how do we grow our business? How do we sell? How do we engage uh, with buyers in a virtual environment? If, if you weren't leveraging technology prior to COVID, and if the majority of your sales were generated by face-to-face -face interaction, well, you can't do that now. 
Uh, so you, you've got to adapt. Hopefully you have already and you're leveraging technology like Zoom and, you know, high def webcams and microphones and, and all that stuff. But uh, the, the selling and buying process has clearly changed. The good news is both sellers and buyers are on equal footing. There's no advantage on either side. Buyers still need to buy. Sellers still need to sell. It's just being done virtually as opposed to face to face. And so those those sales leaders, be it a full time sales manager or an owner or CEO that's running sales, um, they are grappling with how do I get my team to adapt uh, and thrive in this new world of selling. Uh, so I'm, I'm working with clients to do those types of things because uh, it's different. It's just it's it really is. And then you have the Zoom fatigue effect, right? And you, you mentioned that before in your intro. And, you know, it's call after call, meeting after meeting. And there is a little bit of a sensory overload that's there. So, you know, you've got to navigate through all that. Um, this is definitely a time for leadership, regardless of what the functional area is that you're responsible for. Uh, it's uh, it's it's challenging for everyone. The calls I get these days are, are more about tactics. And the struggle has always been about strategy and getting people to think about that. And part of those tactics that that I need a website, and I need a campaign really are tied more closely to sales than, than they used to be. And again, I think there's this panic going on that, that there's this pressure that I need to, like we do, keep the pipeline full and get people to do things differently and therefore generate those leads and opportunities so sales can go off and close. And so that's kind of a different switch in, in a lot of the conversations I've been having versus is your messaging right? I had a conversation with someone this morning and it, my first question was, you know, is your messaging and your strategy right or do you have an executional problem? Well, at the end of the day, they had an executional problem. They felt that their messaging was right. But during the conversation, you know, I, I put some stuff on the table and it was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's really good. That's really good. So the messaging wasn't totally right but right enough that they really needed to focus on that execution side. Why? Because they needed to move things along. So I think that's for me, a, a very interesting, interesting balance of what's going on that in that scramble. So think about that. Think about the conversation we've been having. So give me a story, right? We're storytellers. Give me a story about one of your clients, a typical, let's say engagement. Let's do a positive one that listen to you, <laughs> follow the uh, the advice and, and from that perspective. And then I'll flip it over to me and I'm gonna do the same because I wanna do some war stories here as we kind of go along and, and I'll let you go first. Sure, thanks. Um, you know, yeah, um, let's talk about a client that I recently uh, constructed a sales roadmap for. And, and what that basically is, it's all things related to sales strategy, leadership, process, uh, and, may, and understanding what the client's doing today and why, and then comparing that to best practice, right? And then helping create a roadmap, a path forward uh, that will be provide a solid foundation uh, for, for sales and revenue growth. So working with this company in the oil and gas space, and it was interesting, the CEO um, was running the sales team. I think they had they have four regional sales managers. And in going through the, um, there's a deep dive, you know, um, discovery process that I go through 
uh, with, in this case, the key stakeholder, which was the CEO, and, and you know, asking specific questions to really immerse myself in his world and understand what they were doing and why. And, you know, part of that is understanding the industry and the competition and, and all that. And, of course, you get into things like um, the brand and the value prop and, you know, all the things that you marketers spend time on, right, and the proper messaging and, and, and all that. But it, it became apparent to me, and so these are weekly conversations, weekly, biweekly conversations, and you're asking a series of questions, and, you know, we're the experts, right? Me for sales, you for marketing, and the reason why our clients buy our services is because they want to tap into expertise that they don't have. So in this situation, as we're going through the discovery process, you know, there, was a, there were several pain points that were uncovered. For instance, uh, this particular client, there were things that he wanted his salespeople to do uh, that he felt were pretty straightforward and basic and they weren't doing it. But in, in really diving in and understanding what was being asked, these were not things that were really in the wheelhouse of a sales rep. He was, he was expecting and asking for things that did not play to their skill set. And so he was becoming frustrated because he would coach and coach and coach, and he wasn't seeing a different, uh, he wasn't seeing any, any different behavior. And so what I called out is, is, well, rather than continuing the same approach and expecting different results, perhaps there's somebody else within your company, somebody else on the team who's got that skill set that can come alongside of that sales rep. So when this particular skill set is needed, this particular activity is needed, they can work as a member of the team and help provide that. Now, for me, that was a pretty you know, simple, obvious call out, right? Because I've been, I've been in sales and sales leadership for 30 years. To the CEO, it was an epiphany. You know, that proverbial light bulb goes off. It's like, wow, yeah, didn't, hadn't thought about that. You know, because his approach was maybe I should be looking for a different skill set in, in terms of the salespeople he was hiring. And I said, I don't think it's a skill set issue. I, I think it really is. Is this a core competency for a sales rep? I don't believe that it is. And, and I find that a lot, Angelo, where with a lot of owners, sales leaders, whatever, there's things that they they believe their sales rep should be doing. And in, 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 from my perspective, that is not a high leverage sales activity. That is, a, there's a level, there's certain expertise or a certain skill or a certain activity that you need to have done, but that is not what a high-performing sales rep should be focused on. In fact, it takes them away from what they do well, right? From what they do the best, which is help you acquire and retain new and existing customers, that's what their focus should be and supplement the things that they don't have uh, with other members of your team that have that skill set. Use the phrase, and I've heard you use it before, high performance sales reps. Explain. How do you determine who, who and what is a high performance sales rep? So how I would frame that up is when you're hiring a sales rep, you want someone who's got pure sales DNA. And how I would define that would be someone who is 
money motivated, strong ego drive, very competitive, has the desire to be the best. They want to win, right? I mean, they just, they need to win. They're, they're just really competitive. Great business acumen, uh, someone who's very disciplined on where they spend their time, right? I mean, like, hey, spend your time where you're going to, where you, where you're going to get the results from, right? You know, there's, there's always people you, that are fun to talk to, but they're not going to buy. So, you know, to, you know, you have so much bandwidth, spend your time where it's, it's really going to produce. Uh, you need somebody who's got really strong communication skills, uh, both, both written and verbal, you know, and, and someone who has the ability to, especially in the time of, in the, of COVID, has the ability to demonstrate empathy and authenticity, who could really connect with buyers at a higher level uh, where they are the sellers being viewed as a trusted business partner and not someone who's looking for just a transactional relationship. So that's, that's what I'm looking for. Um, high performance sales teams have people that represent that. And the other piece of this, and this is so critical too, especially today, it's gotta be not only uh, so I look for a couple of things, right? Position fit. This would be, you know, the right person for a high performing sales team, but then also the culture fit. And you need to have that as well. Uh, and it's so important today to have somebody that can really step in and um, contribute to your culture in a, in a positive way. And, and I think the last piece of it is you also need to build a team that is reflective of the customers that you serve. And that's really where diversity and inclusion comes in. You know, I saw it at my FedEx days and I see it now with small business owners and, you know, you, you, you need to feel the team that is, is reflective of, of today's marketplace. Hey, 40 or 50% of the population is age 40 or younger, right? So, you know, you need to have generational diversity. You need to have diversity that is, um, you know, reflective of, of gender and of culture. It, it, it is so important. And it's not just for checking boxes. It is having that depth and perspective and experience that each person brings to the team. The most, the teams that I've had the most fun leading in the corporate world and in the consulting world have been those that really fall into what I just described. They've, they've got pure DNA salespeople. Mm-hmm. They've got salespeople that really fit the culture and contribute to it in a, in a, in a positive way. And they've got a team that's reflective of the clients that they serve. Uh, and that is really diverse uh, in terms of, you know, the things I talked about. Yeah. Sure. Well, I find, you know, and I'm, I'm think about the hiring process, the interviewing process. And I'm of a mindset that it, I'll say the majority, I'm going to go out on a limb. The majority of small businesses, frankly, don't know how to interview. They don't really understand what they're looking for. To your point, I've sold before, therefore I can sell again. And that's not necessarily the case. Um, and, and I could certainly tell in my in my good, bad and the ugly part, I could talk about the ugly because I've seen some of this in the way the business is being run by the sales team. There was no logic behind it. There was no data behind it. Or I'm a data guy, no data behind it. It was like, I'm going to throw a dart at the wall. We're going to grow 10 percent next year. And when I challenged how. Well, I just assume we can get that. Yeah, but, you know, hope's not a strategy, right? So how are we going to get there? When they couldn't actually define it, they weren't the right person to, to do what we needed to do 
um, to achieve the goals. What's the best way for a small business owner, besides calling you and, and hiring you, to really identify that criteria and the process of identifying the right person, right? The Jim Collins, right person on the bus. Right. No, that is critical. I couldn't agree more. And you know, before you go out and hire the first, your first sales rep, right? If you're doing that, we work with some people that are in that stage or, and or your next sales rep, you, you really need to take a step back and think about what's that criteria that the ideal candidate possesses. And we talked about skill fit. We talked about cultural fit and inclusive of the cultural fit is the diversity element as well. I, I think the other thing that um, I also coach my clients or counsel my clients to look for as a nice to have, not a have to have, uh, is the in industry piece. If they have um, background and experience in the industry, you know, that's definitely helpful. And again, I'm making an assumption part of the ideal candidate criteria is they've got commercial selling B2B background, right? They've got prior experience doing that. But, you know, having uh, experience in your industry can be beneficial. It could also be detrimental because all you're doing is recycling people, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. So it really depends. I, to me, me personally, and I know that some owners push back on this, Angelo, I've experienced it. You know, like, oh, you know, you've got to have experience in this industry. I'm like, that's the one thing you can teach. You can't teach somebody from a sales DNA standpoint. I can't teach or coach somebody to have a to have a strong ego drive and to be money motivated. Either they are or they're not. Right. And that, I can't coach to that. Yeah, I and can, that's it. Go ahead. No, but I, I can say, definitely develop that industry um, background and immersion. I mean, not background, but you can you can you can absolutely you can you can immerse yourself in an industry within a couple of months. You can you could be pretty conversant. Right. Well, yeah, that's that's always a over the years has always been an argument. It's like, well, you don't you're not versed in X, Y, Z industry. And I said, it doesn't really matter. I'm a marketer. I'm a researcher. I know how to get information. I know how to use that information. And that's just but you can't teach me to be a good marketer. Right. That's either a skill set I've developed over time, but I can learn your industry. As I like to say, I've worked with semiconductors to ice cream. I, I never manufactured a semiconductor before, and I and I never marketed ice cream. I ate a lot of it, but I never marketed it just like same in the alcoholic industry that I worked in. I drank a lot of spirits and beer and wine, but I never marketed it before we got the account. So that's not as necessary, and I agree with you 100%. Yet so many times the owner gets hung up on that. Well, you don't have that kind of experience. It, it doesn't really matter. People buy, people sell. And you can figure out the process and what's going on. Now, the right way to communicate and to motivate, that's a different story. One of the things that I'll kind of tell a little bit of my story, and, and again, I come at it from that from that messaging standpoint, is, is really understanding who the audience is. I, I have You've heard me preach this before. Really, truly understanding the customer and what they're all about. Business owners just don't spend the time for that deep dive. You have to understand who they are, why they buy, what the, what motivates them and what's going on. And more importantly, what's relevant to them. You know, case in point with one of my software clients, they were marketing to five different verticals, a 30 year old company and everything they did was by referrals. And now all of a sudden they needed to market and they had one message across five verticals and none of it was relevant to the buyers. 
And so by doing some research and gathering that information, we were able to focus those various messages and it became more, it became easier when the sales teams were in talking to them. They were now speaking the story that was relevant to the potential buyer versus some generic story about why the software company was great and all their products are wonderful, right? It got down to it was more personal, more relevant and the benefits and values to them, the value proposition that you mentioned about to them and to their customers. So I think it's so important that that we have that. And, and that really brings me to a little bit of, you know, the sales and marketing. You know, we've heard this over the years. Sales and marketing are always at odds and, and fighting each other. And that was one of the things with, with you in, in that it's really a symbiotic relationship because, you know, you need the messaging, you need the direction and to prime the pump, so to speak. But marketing's not going to go out and actually sell it. And so really working together makes sense as opposed to, you know, the silos and the walls that have gone up in a lot of traditional situations. No, absolutely. I, you know, I, I've had both experiences, Angelo, in working with clients uh, in some in some situations, the best ones, they have either in-house or outsourced, you know, marketing, right? Someone like you, you know, who's a, a marketing architect, right? Strategic <laughs> Uh, you know, marketing uh, resource. And so having that partner that, can, that I can work alongside of and understand the brand and the value proposition and who are the target, mar- you know, customers, right? Could be verticals, um, whatever. What's the messaging? And then how does that cascade down to sales, right? What are the talking points that the sales team should be using to, to really drive home that, um, that value prop and how they're, and how you're different than your competitors. You know, you need to be conversant in that. And that all starts with a strong brand and a, and a compelling value proposition that you can deliver on. So you have to have that and many times. What I'll find where that doesn't exist, where you don't have that marketing support is, you know, the owner, the CEO, they want to grow their business. But the question that that I ask is, well, what are we selling? <laughs> you know, and who are we selling it to? Because yeah. you, know, you, you have to arm your salespeople with those insights and with the proper messaging and the proper support. And, and you have to be proactive in in your in your marketing outreach, right? Promoting your brand and and and, and some level of, of uh, attracting prospective clients to the company. You know, I think it's uh, it's ironic to me that you're seeing so many companies slash marketing budgets and investments during COVID because you should be doubling down. You know, I mean, it's like if you're not growing, you can't save your way to survival, right? You just can't. Exactly. You know, marketing, marketing and sales, you've got to make that investment. Make the right investments. Make smart investments. But you need to make the right investments. And, you know, for example, from an advertising standpoint, and this is in your wheelhouse, you know, analyze what's been successful for you in the past in terms of ROI. And, you know, and then if you're going to reduce your spending or you're going to maybe uh, consolidate it, then 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 put your dollars in, in high leverage areas that are going to generate you know, in the past have generated the best response rates. You've got to feed your team. You don't want your salespeople starving. If you don't have a robust 
um, process in terms of lead generation and, 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 and really promoting your brand, SEO optimization, whatever it might be, um, you know, your sales team is going to suffer. Mm-hmm. You can't win. That's not a winning strategy. Yeah, I was talking to a company the other day, and, and, and they've really been suffering uh, as a result of COVID. And they're, they're a lot of uh, inside sales folks that are, you know, outbound, making outbound calls. And in this current situation, their market is really suffering. So they're, they're, the sales teams are just doing smile and dial. I mean, it's, it, there's no rationale. The, there's no marketing support anymore. There's nothing going on to really prop them up. And they're hoping like hell they can actually connect with somebody on the other end. And it's a, it's a really crazy situ, situation right now. And, and, I, and I've seen some of that. I mean, I had a guy call me the other day and, and talk about you know how his messaging is a mess and, and he hasn't had any sales in a really long time. And I ask him what he's doing. He's doing nothing. Absolutely nothing. Well, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and, waiting and for the phone to ring, yeah, waiting for the owners to roll in, you know? Yeah. Those that uh, have not and, and, and found for more of an operational balance between sales and, and, and marketing and investment and saving your cash. I mean, they history has shown they come out on the other end much, much stronger than those that did nothing. And so that's it's going to be interesting um, as we head into the fall and, and we start to turn that corner, hopefully. And But I think the sit and wait is is gone there is a, a a quote i just saw recently from um uh, microsoft ceo and it said you know in the last two months we've seen two years of digital transformation right selling is no more uh you know driving out in your car and knocking on a door it is it is all digitally now and and whether it's uh, clients doing research on their own before they make a phone call which is really skyrocketed or doing what we're doing today, having a conversation. It's it over the over the Zoom, or uh, you know, it's it's changed drastically. What have you seen in your experience in these last six months of, of what businesses seem to be, you know, their biggest challenge that they're facing, or are frankly doing wrong? Well, and I think we just kind of alluded to it, right? It's it's not recognized. It's I think. The businesses that are missing the mark haven't accepted the reality of the current situation, right? We're how many months into this pandemic? There's no expiration on when this is going to be over. And for those that have waited on the sidelines that this too shall pass and kept doing, you know, didn't make any changes. And I'm not saying change for the sake of change, right? You know, what I've been advocating is a multifaceted approach. And that is, you know, you really need to take a hard look at your strategy and your value proposition, your portfolio of products and services. Considering the current dynamic and knowing there's no expiration on this situation, what do you, you know, what do you keep? What do you, what do you tweak? And what do you discard? And is there anything that you need to add that you, you know, that you don't have today? And companies that have done that and or are in the process of doing it are much further down the road than those that have procrastinated and haven't had a bias for action. And so um, I would say, you know, what I'm seeing, I've had several conversations where, you know, they're prospective clients are exploring perhaps doing business with someone like me 
or someone like you and you have the conversation, uh, you understand what the need is, uh, you make a recommendation on, in terms of the path forward and invariably the response is, well, we can't afford that. And, and, I, and, and it's not that our expense, our services are overpriced. It's the client, what their client's looking at is revenues are down year over year. We're going to miss our, our goal for 2020. How can we afford to make an investment like this? And of course, my, my question is, how can you afford not to? Because if, if, if you're not going to make an investment in, in growing out of this disruption that we've, that we're encountering, you might not be in business a year from now. You know, especially the companies that we're serving, Angelo, you know, five to 50 million. I mean, look, you got some big names that are probably not going to emerge from this pandemic. Right? I mean, you, you can pick your, your list, whether it's an airline, it's a hotel, a movie theater, a retailer, cruise so line. many restaurants, cruise line. I mean, it's just insane. I mean, there, there is going to be, I'm sure somewhere in the future, five years out, there'll be a list of household names before and after COVID that are gone. Yeah. Interesting. And, and, yeah. And small businesses, I mean, hey, look, more than 95% of the businesses that are out there, maybe even more than that, are small businesses. So, I mean, there's so many of them that have already gone out and will continue to go out. And, you know, again, you can't sit on the sidelines and passively wait for things to get better and, and think that, hey, it's worked for us before in terms of strategy, value, prop, portfolio, products and services. It's worked for us before. It'll work for us in the future. That's probably not going to be the case. So, yeah. and, that's, and that's what I've been uh, – spent probably the last six weeks spending a lot of time consulting with folks about that it's different. You can't just assume it, it's exactly the same. You know, if you're not looking at what ifs could happen and you're not being preparing yourself for that, then then you're not ready should it pivot left or pivot right, right? It's, it's, it's like that football analogy we used one time, right? It's a game of inches, inch to the left, inch to the right, everything changes. And, and I think that there's a complacency not necessarily because they want it to be, but there's a little bit of paralysis of if I make the wrong decision, what's the repercussions? And unfortunately, by not making any decision, there's a repercussion. Well, and let me just speak to that for a second, if I could. I, I think what, what, I, what I've been recommending is this. I think for small businesses specifically, right, you need to have a clear-eyed review of your strategy and your value proposition and your portfolio of products and services, not just internally, but also externally with a, a you know, some, with some trusted advisors. It could be a, an official or, or unofficial board of directors. It could be service providers like you, you or I, but you need to look at everything. Number one, number two, and you'll, and I know you'll agree with this. You need to be talking to your customers, Absolutely. Uh, current customers and past customers and understand how you know what how COVID's affecting them, affecting their their business, their industry, their customers, right? And how they've adapted and what they're looking for from you as a current provider, past provider, 
uh, in the future. You really need to understand from a voice to the customer standpoint what's going on. And then the third thing is you need to look and see what your competition is doing. And it's not about just um, mimicking what others are doing. It's learning from success. We see it in sports all the time, right? You've got these teams that they, they find a way year in and year out to win. And then other teams like, well, okay, what's your secret sauce? How are you doing this? You know, what, what can I, how can we replicate this and maybe make it better? And, and I think all those things are really important. So clear-eyed assessment in-house and externally of your, your strategy and value prop and portfolio of products and services, voice of the customer, and then finally the competition. And take the findings from those three, those three areas and then, and then make a decision. Make a decision as to, as I said before, what to keep, what to change, what to discard, and perhaps you know what you need to add that you don't currently have. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, you, uh, you're talking like a marketing guy. Say, so, yeah, I'm going to convert you. Because yeah, I mean, too much time together. Yeah, I think so. But you know, the the thing that, I mean, the knowing your customer part just always amazes me. Not in your customers, but your prospects. Because there's ways to, you know, to, again, to get information from your prospects and your target verticals. But the, but the competition, and, and to your point about the products, I mean, if you're talking to your customers, you're talking to the marketplace, you can easily find out which of your products and services are even relevant. But, but the other one that really has just bugged me over the years is the competition. Mm-hmm. I get this. It's our time for our annual plan. Let's go look at the competition. No, no, we need to be looking at the competition all the time. I mean, I even uh, published an ebook about establishing an ongoing competitive intelligence program. You, you can learn so much by keeping your, your finger on the pulse of your co- competitors, whether they're doing something new, different, pivoting, hire somebody, their messaging and gap analysis. I mean, there were so many times we looked at the messaging and looked for gaps that created opportunities for the clients I was working on. You can't do that once, once a year or when you, know, you lose a big sale. I mean, it's simple, and you probably do this. Hey, hey, Mr. Client, have you done a win-loss analysis? Yep. No. Oh, they said it was price. Yeah, it's it's not price. There's something else there, right? I, and, you know, the, I agree, and I, I call it post-mortem when you lose out, right? And I'll tell you what, customers or prospects, more often than not, especially if the leader reaches out, they'll give you feedback. They'll be very candid as to why they chose someone else and not you. But, you know, Angelo, listen, I know uh, if I'm a small business owner and I'm listening to this and I'm looking at the resources I have and the expertise and experience that I have in-house and I'm listening to these best practices that you and I are talking about from a sales and marketing point of view, and I'm like, how am I going to do this? And and that's where, you know, whether it's, it's you and I or – some other service provider, that's where you can supplement the the experience and the expertise you don't have in-house. You can supplement that when you engage with someone like us, right? Be it sales, marketing, operations, human resources, finance, whatever it may be, you know, what you what you don't have internally, so you can supplement it externally. You can do it in a cost-effective manner and it allows you to make better more informed decisions, right? I mean, that's, we all need 
trusted advisors that will help us navigate through this period of profound uncertainty. And you know, I, and I, I just, it's not as hard. It's only as hard as you make it out to be, right? You know, the only limitations are the ones that we set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, you talked to before is that the head of sales a lot of times was the guy that sold the most or the gal that sold the most. And, you know, I, I hear, well, I have a director of marketing and it's like, well, how many times have they led a company or led strategy work? Well, they're not really that they can get our website done or social media. So again, you have to look at the capabilities to play off of what you just said of what you have in this house and supplement it with someone that brings experience. It isn't, you know, I look at the fractional world, and, and sometimes if somebody will make all oh, that, you know, your hourly is too high or whatever it happens to be. I say, well, think about it's not the hourly dollar. It's the decades of experience you're getting compacted in that hour. Right. We bring a lot of value in a relatively short period of time. Yeah, you can get it cheaper. I had somebody tell me the other day, you know, I can get that uh, a third of the price. I said, go ahead. I can look at who you're going to hire, but they're going to have five years worth of experience versus the, you know, the decades that we offer. You know, it's kind of like that, uh, that luxury car, right? The Porsche, the Mercedes, the BMW, you know, do you want to have the, the local mechanic down the street working on that? Or do you want somebody that uh, is, you know, knows the car, knows what to do, has years of experience, you know, has the certifications that are required to do work on a specific model and that's really what we're talking about here. Look, you know, for day-to-day tactical leadership, yes, many businesses have the right skill set in-house. But when you're looking for what we're talking about here really is strategic leadership and experience. And in both of our cases, Angelo, I mean, how many how many recessions have we, you know, helped companies navigate through, you know, over the last 25, 30 years? And, and understanding that challenging times call for new thinking. And, you know, it's during periods of disruption that innovation can take hold and really and really prosper. And, and that's the nice thing about, um, you know, what I was advocating before, taking a clear eyed view of your business and and uh, and not being beholden to we've always done it this way. Well, on that note, uh, we our time has come to an end. So this has been uh, a fantastic conversation. I, I, I really enjoyed it. And, and as I always do when we talk, and, and certainly we collaborate on a lot of different things. So uh, as we kind of sign off, why don't you tell the listeners how they can uh, learn more about you and get a hold of you? Sure. Well, again, thank you so much for having me on uh, your show. I, I'm a avid follower of the Business Growth Cafe and really enjoy what you've been doing uh, over the last couple of years. And I I know you recently celebrated your 100th podcast and probably long past that now, but congratulations on on building such a successful program that, um, you know, provides uh, a forum for uh, people like you and I to share expertise, experience, best practices, right, with your listeners. But for me, uh, for Sales Velocity Advisors, you can reach out vis-a-vis my website. That's www.salesvelocityadvisors.com. Or you can connect with me vis-a-vis LinkedIn, and it's Rich Cucuso. 
Again, thank you so much for having me on the show today, Angelo. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to thank all of you for joining us at the cafe today. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, view my show videos, or sign up to receive more information at theponzigroup.com or certainly connect with me on LinkedIn. And if your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, or you need a fractional sales guy, because you got rich here today as well, we both welcome the opportunity to talk to you about your fractional and consulting needs. Lastly, please subscribe to this show. And if you're already a subscriber, I encourage you to tell others about the show so they can benefit from the great content like you heard today. And you can go to the businessgrowthcafe.com or anywhere you subscribe to and listen to podcasts. Join me next week for the Business Growth Cafe. Rich, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.